afternoon, good morning, good evening, whenever you're listening to this. This is Molecules and Shit, and this is a science podcast. I'm your co-host, P-Funk, at P-Funkin'Around on Twitter. And I'm joined by your host, Cookie Negra. Doctor? Sir? So, uh, what's up with your man's Jesse? Holy cow. <laughs> that was, that's the wildest story I've seen in quite some time. I'm very upset by the entire thing. Just I know. he single-handedly I mean Black History Month was already like on its knees and he single-handedly like brought the brick on its the back of his head. Just uh. All I can think of is his whole family is a bunch of entertainers. They're not getting any callbacks from now on. That's what I said. Not I'm with like, that last name. I know Journey Smollett is ooh, I know she's tight cuz she's like I had my nice little niche my nice mm-hmm. little corner with my rolls. I had my Tyler Perry connections, getting my little money, and then here you come along and fuck well, it up for me. But she was a child actress. I mean, she's yeah. been in this for twenty years. Yeah, but she was just now like I think she. I feel like she had like kind of a resurgence like in the last five six years. Like people knew her name. They're like, oh yeah, her from um, uh, not Runaway. What's it called? Is it Runaway? Not Runaway. Underground. Yeah, she was on the show Underground, and then she was in that movie, The Great Debaters. You know, she was just kind of on her little come up, and I was like, oh, okay, she was in that Tyler Perry movie, that terrible Tyler Perry movie. Which one? Oh, well, okay, I should be more specific. The one with the AIDS? Oh, seriously? Do I need to be more specific? Yes. If you say the one with the light skinned savior, I'm really going to be done. Shit. Uh... (laughs) Oh, I will say both of the men were dark skinned. Aha. Yes, the one with two dark-skinned men. One good, one bad. Yes. I don't think I saw that one. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but yeah. let me get off Tyler Perry. Yes, yes, but yes, that was... She had her own little thing, and I know she is like... Now she's going to be associated with him just because he kind of looks like her, and they have the name that's so close together. She's like, you fucked up my brand. Yeah, and I was on stage with them. you. I mean, there must be five or six of them all in the business. Oh, yeah. But I mean, not only her, he's ruined everybody's life. But those two were like by far the most famous. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. So they, I mean, they were at the forefront and they are tightly associated. Everyone knows their siblings. They look like each other. They go to events together. And they all look, they all look alike, though. That's true. I mean, that's every true. single one of them has the same face. So nobody's getting a job. Oh, my God. What was he? thinking i just i, I just really hope that there's more to, it's not true like, i just hope I there's more to not, it i want to believe that somehow these two brothers are mad at him for something else mm-hmm. and they lied about it and, but when i heard what he said they said i was like okay well it sounds like they're black oh what is the it the first thing he said was i hit you that f word nigga from so and so and so i'm like okay that sounds black to me so the maga hats don't seem to go with that but i just uh, i really hope that he was paying them for something else that he's embarrassed about they were supposed to be like uh personal trainers and that's what i'm hoping is for because who decides let's do dirt let me write you a check i hope you know what i oh my i dearly hope that they're just trying to scam him that's and that he paid them that's, to be personal exactly trainers, and then they decided they wanted more money out of him, and so they attacked him, and then he looks foolish now. I hope that's what it is, because if it's the that, other thing, and he's I'm just hoping. and he's just greedy. Uh, I just, I really want it to be that, just because, wow. Yeah. Otherwise, this is horrendous. Yeah. Somehow that's better. What a world we live in. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's exactly. The, that's the better scenario. 
That sucks, doesn't it? Yeah. The better scenario is a dude getting beat up, called homophobic slurs, and scammed by two Nigerians. That's better. <laughs> That's the better of two And then outcomes. they're not even Nigerians. They're born in Chicago. They just have Nigerian parents. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I guess when, it's like calling someone who grew up in New York Jamaican. You know, you're, you have Jamaican family, Jamaican roots, whatever. Yeah. I, I, I get that. That's kind of used interchangeably. Even though they're not technically Nigerians. I don't know. I don't want the Nigerians in our audience after me. That's oh. all I'm saying. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I just know I, I'm, I call most of my cousins. We're all Haitian, but we're not from Haiti. <laughs> Only half of us have ever been there. But yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's a Caribbean thing. I'm not into that. I, I have I have not one nickel in that dime. So mm, Fair enough. But uh, in good news, I just came back from Toronto. That's great. And it was both one of the best and worst decisions I made going to Toronto in winter. Well, I think my face, I think part of my face is still on the ground somewhere on one of the streets, but they do have some of the best Chinese food I've ever had. I like Toronto. And I've been to China. Where'd you go? I've been to Toronto several times. Um, Last time, I guess we had our uh, scientific meeting there was... Mm -hmm. Eight, nine years ago now. Summer or winter? Oh, summer. It's oh, okay. always summer. Yeah, it was nice because there was a lot of things I'm like, oh, we could probably do this, except it's frozen. Or except it's closed for the winter. Or except it's cold. Yeah, so I was like, eh. Definitely have to come back uh, when it's a little sunnier. But cool city. Yep. But uh, neither of those things are very scientific. Unless, I don't know, you can count psychology, but we're, neither of us are qualified for that. No, not I'm not even close. We do need to at some point find a psychologist somewhere. I, I wish I knew one. Because there's so many like stories that I put aside because I'm like, oh, but that's strictly psychiatry. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, all the two psychologists I know both died in 2018. So wow. can't. <laughs> mm. And in keeping with our plan of no new people, yeah, I just... It'll be hard for me to find another one. Yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully we'll stumble upon it in our travels. <laughs> stumble upon a psychiatrist. It's like, I'm cool. And I'm down with the Negroes. But yes, here's uh, some of the stories that we looked over. Um, I thought this was interesting and scary and also exciting. Um, there is now a new technology called a whisper laser. And it sends audible messages to specific people. That's really scary. I love this and I hate it and I'm scared of it, but I also love it. Researchers from MIT have discovered a way to send highly targeted audio signals directly to someone's ear at a distance using laser beams. That's so awesome. The system works using the photoacoustic effect where water vapor in the air absorbs light forming sound waves. Wow. The research may pave the way to systems that allow audible messages to be transmitted to spies or other agents, warning them of impending danger like an active shooter. Tell me that's not awesome. Um, and this replaces you calling somebody on the phone? You only get a specific person? They hear you? No, I think this is something where, to me, if I'm reading this right, it only works if you're within, you have like a, a sight line to them. So if someone is like um, across a field and you want to send like a message directly to them and not have anyone else hear it, you use this laser method. 
I don't think I it would just replace the phone. How much this is going to cost? The iPhones are what twelve hundred dollars now. How yeah. much is the laser going to cost? Well, I don't think this would be useful in a phone because you already have a mic that pretty much is focused, or a speaker that's focused that goes directly in, you know, into your ear. No, what I'm saying is, okay, it sounds like this is a great idea. Mm-hmm. How much is it going to cost? Oh, if the cell phones are a thousand dollars. How much is this photoacoustic thing going to cost? Oh, you know that this kind of tech is probably for businesses or military, and they don't care about price tags. So it's it's probably going to be a pretty penny for sure. Eight feet. You can yell eight feet. Mm. The team started with a laser beam that fired at wavelengths absorbed by water. By sweeping the beam at the speed of sound, they found that it could be used to generate sound that can only be heard at a specific distance from the transmitter. That would allow a message to be sent to an individual rather than just anyone who crossed the path of the laser. Wow. That's just a that's a weird accidental finding. It can work in relatively dry conditions because there is almost always a little water in the air, especially around people. Yes, because we are mouth breathers. If you're thinking that a laser at head level sounds like a bad idea, apparently it's fine. It's the first system that uses lasers that are fully safe for the eyes and skin to localize an audible signal to a particular person in any setting. I don't know about that. I don't think you want to be shooting someone in the eye with it. Yeah, I, I that was one of my second thoughts about how lasers are not really that great around people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, they said that it, it's one of the first systems that is safe for the eyes and skin. So you can, po- I guess it's like the laser pointer, except it doesn't blind you. Damn if I know. Mm. I'm just gonna say I, you. I'm from Missouri. You have to show me. I feel like this could be really useful if, for instance, you are helping someone on a date or on a job interview. You could like whisper like answers to them. It's like, hey, or cheating in college. Oh my god, engineers cheating with this. Can you imagine? They just position someone outside, and then they point the laser to their purse, the their partner on the inside. See, I'm a little worried that you went there so quickly. What? And we're going to have to talk about that, perhaps off air. What? How you know? How you immediately went to cheating? Well, because I'm thinking of what are the practical uses for a laser that only you can hear, and one of them is surreptitiously giving you answers to the math problems. Writing on your hand will be a thing of the past. We're not math phobic here. This is a science podcast. I'm just saying. <laughs> or even on your English exam. It's like, hey, give me three good reasons why Chaucer is <laughs> more important than than Mark Twain. Like, Oh, wow. Okay. I could actually do that. Exactly. But I'm I just... took AP. I took AP English. Nerd. <laughs> what are you trying to say? I think I said it. Nerd. <laughs> You didn't take AP English? I thought everybody took AP English. No, what did I take? I took AP French and AP oh. History. Yeah, yeah. I, took AP, I took AP everything that was available. Yeah, I didn't do it for the um, the college credit, though. I just did it for the GPA. I was just like, ah, I just want to lose my GPA before I, I bounce out of high school. <laughs> yeah, see, they didn't. It, it didn't count more back when I took it, but I took um, them all so I could opt out of most of the classes. That's sort of what... Because if you don't, you can take the AP exam, but mm-hmm. that costs money. Mm-hmm. 
but you can go to the placement office in your college and show them your high school transcript that you took the AP, mm. and then they give you a test, and it's free, and then you opt out of some classes. Oh. I think I, I managed like 10, 10 credits like that. Oh, wow. Okay, so you were using it to, like, as a, to save some cash, save some money. Well, you still had to have the credits, but then I was able to take stuff that was more fun. Like, I, I didn't have to take um, freshman comp. You know, I went in, they said, write something. I wrote something. They're like, yeah, you can take the two or 300 level classes. Thank you. And I left. Yeah. See, I mean, I know a lot of people were just like, I don't want to take freshman comp. I was like, it was so easy. I zoned out most of the class. And it was like, if you knew how to put two sentences together, you pass. So I was like, eh. well, but see, I was transferring to another campus, so I didn't have time to oh, play around. Yeah, and okay. I don't know how many people went to your school, but freshman comp, because it was a requirement, there were so many people trying to take it as seniors. You know, you could never, you couldn't get into it as a freshman. No oh. freshman actually got freshman comp. Okay, no, they solved that problem. It was all taught by TAs, and so they just had this army of English TAs that would just teach freshman comp. Because basically, like I said, it was all about can these people construct sentences and can they read a book? Yeah, no, <laughs> and we, if you can I do mean, that, you got TAs your A. As well, but it's still like. At the time I went to Maryland, I think we were about 40,000 and maybe 30 of those were undergrads. That's a lot of freshman comp. So oh, okay. I didn't want to wait and, you know, be afraid that I wasn't going to get into it. Yeah. So then when I transferred to the med tech program, I would have a hole. I'm like, let me just take this. And then once I realized you could do that, I took it for like four other things. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what the size of my class was. I think the whole undergrad student body was somewhere around 10,000, 10, mm -hmm. 15,000. So it wasn't huge at all. So it was manageable. Yes. In, in a way. Like that, ten th eight or 9,000 was like the incoming class. Oh, okay. You can't have enough TAs to teach all that in one semester. Right, so anyway, right, right. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that's sort of. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I think. You have to look out when for that. When you're a scholarship student, you have to be clever, <laughs> okay? I'm telling you. And so there might be engineers using this method as we speak, actually, to cheat on their physics exams. Yeah, cheating is not good, though. And we here at Molecules and Shit do not promote cheating in any form. Yes, no matter how clever or intriguing it is. Just no. Yeah, what she said. We don't do that. No, anyway... I want to know where I can buy one of these. But um, let's see. What? I, I feel like it could come in handy somewhere. Maybe while you're giving a presentation. If I could, like, whisper notes to you. Like, if you're struggling over some, like, statistic, and I can just Google it real quick. Like, oh, it's this, 45%. And now you know. Uh-huh. Well, the kind of presentations I do, the audience will be yelling, hey, it's 45%. You oh. don't need to do that. Wait, you, so you're saying your whole audience is douchebags? <laughs> no, they're not douchebags. They're just trying to help you. Really? That's that. I don't. I don't think I want that kind of help. I don't want the audience yelling me at me something that I don't know. That's kind of like, ooh. Well, oh, then you clearly do not ever want to be a scientist because that's your whole life. Really? <laughs> yeah. They just yell it. They don't like talk to you afterwards. Like, hey, by the way, that thing was such well, and such. Well, if you're clearly struggling, they're trying to help you. Oh. But no, the questions you get after a scientific presentation, these people don't love you. Mm. No. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah, That's like your whole life. But did you ever try setting up the experiment this way? And then uh, when you tell them yes, do they back off? or? Well, sometimes you have to explain why you didn't do it that way. Oh, okay. 
And my my old advisor, she was wonderful. She said, well, we thought we'd start with the easier thing. <laughs> make, that makes sense. Yeah, but I'm clearly not built to be a scientist. I, I probably am built to be an engineer. Yeah, because you're scary. And I mean, I... I don't. I didn't want to get into it, but I did want to know your position on Jordy LaForge at some point. Okay, we should do a whole Star Trek show. You better not come on this podcast with some Jordy LaForge hate. I didn't say I hated him. Mm. I'm just saying that we talked about this almost maybe the first or second show, but there's a whole lot of science bullshit on Star Trek. I'm just saying Jordy LaForge is a national treasure. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I love LeVar. Y'all y'all I, hear I, that shade? Y- y'all hear that shade, right? Shading Jordy LaForge. I'm not shading Jordy at the all. The goat. I like his, his uh, visor and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I, For your own benefit, I think we should move on. Fine. <laughs> okay, so this was another story that was kind of scary, kind of exciting, kind of bad. Um, seeking superpowers in the oxolotl genome i think that's the name of the the animal yeah um that's kind of interesting um the guy who drew our um avatars for our um twitter account Mm -hmm. he works on these kind of salamanders really yeah we should have we should have asked him to (laughs) come along oh i mean we can always revisit this story easily but um, I just came across it in the New York Times randomly. Uh, it said, smiling salamanders can regrow most of their body parts, so researchers are building improved maps of their DNA. The thought being that they can use what they learn to improvise or change or manipulate human DNA to do that. Am I correct? That's uh, that's really scary, actually. <laughs> so you're telling me if you accidentally cut your finger off in the kitchen, you don't want the ability to grow it back? Um, that's not what I'm saying. I would very much not like to not cut my finger off, but yes, it of would be wonderful if I could grow my finger back. But again, the the headline that catches everybody's eye, oh, we can grow stuff back. Well, what we're going to have to do is manipulate it, all your DNA. And, yeah, no, no, no. Mm. The oxalotl, sometimes called the Mexican walking fish, is a cheerful tube sock with four legs a crown of feathery gills, and a long tapered tail fin. According to Aztec legend, the first of these smiling salamanders was a god who transformed himself to avoid sacrifice. Okay. Mm -hmm. Captive exotals are thriving in labs around the world. In a paper published Thursday in Genome Research, a team of researchers has reported the most complete assembly of DNA yet for the amphibians. Their work paves the way for advances in human regenerative medicine. So because they can perform some type of regeneration, scientists are thinking that if we just learn enough about them, we can find ways to transfer that to humans. Yeah. So human livers regenerate. Mm -hmm. So if we want to know how humans do it, why wouldn't we start with that? That's not as cool. These are salamanders. What if I want salamander skin or something? Such a hater. (laughs) <laughs> why would you start with the easy way first um okay <laughs> 
Obviously, I'm the one in the wrong here. All right. I mean, clearly, it's, it, look at how, look how cool these animals are. As long as you don't cut off their heads, they can grow back a nearly perfect replica of just about any body part, including so up to starfish, including I mean, up to half of their brain. That's new. If you can regrow half your brain, think of all the brain trauma that was just like up in the air, just like that, gone. I yeah, I don't know if it works that way. <laughs> oh, it doesn't. I mean, it sounds really cool in this article that I'm reading. Yeah. It yeah, it sounds really cool. Yeah. Mhm. So, I mean, if you were to look at the liver, is there a reason why we couldn't just figure out some insight from that and transfer it to our limbs or other well, organs? Well, see that that's sort of exactly what I was thinking. Um maybe the next step will be that because that's one of the few organs that we know for a fact if you know you cut out part of your liver it will grow back Hmm. nothing else does that it's weird why um evolutionarily that would be the organ that develops that i mean if you're going to be missing parts of your organs it could be any organ why specifically the liver does have the ability to grow back I i wonder well there's a lot of stuff going on in the liver so hmm but I mean, like, I don't why know not... why the liver rather than, you know, the kidney, but <laughs> yeah, or the lungs. I would think that would be more critical to like grow back if something damaged it or happened to it or hmm. I don't know. That's something maybe we should talk about because I don't know the answer to that. Hmm. Yeah, I want to. There should be an article on that, actually, explaining why that is, because I have heard that that when you have like a liver transplant, that's like one of the easiest ones for both people because. They both like wind up with almost full size livers at the end of it. I'm sure they look funny, but oh, the shape doesn't—it doesn't grow back to the same shape. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure it will grow back to perfect. It's like when you cut up a starfish; the, mm-hmm. the legs they grow back, but for a while they look kind of funny. Oh, but eventually they grow back to like regular size. At some point, I think you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between a starfish who had a leg cut off and one who didn't but oh okay but you know, it takes a while before it grows back to full length and so you have like starfish with three broken feet I, you know? got it like deadpool mm-hmm. when he has the tiny hands oh my god not deadpool yeah like when he has the tiny hands right or the tiny legs yeah sort of like that leave it to you to bring that into it yep. how scientifically accurate accurate is that movie that's awesome i'm gonna go rewatch it now you know that tiny hand scene was amazing. Stop it. When he's like stroking Leslie Uggum. Mm. Yeah, I know. I <laughs> baby hands. Every time, I, every time I see a baby's hands now, I just think, is that <laughs> the Deadpool? I see. Is that Wade Wilson? Mm. But yes, I think that there it is a case of people kind of jumping the gun a little bit. Jumping to the most exotic solution rather than the simple one first, but well, but that's get your that's fun thing where you can. Now you got to get it on the news, and well, I mean, it's not even just the news that people are actually doing this and they're throwing money at it. Um, I would think if that if your goal was human regeneration, if that's your goal, you would start with you know things that you have a lot more access to that are easier to get, which is human livers. But I guess you have to start with animals anyway, so why not start with these? Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not much into amphibians, but you got to have a model system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm more of a mouse, rat, bunny, rabbit kind of animal model. So. 
Oh, you mean humans? No, I'm saying in my research, I've only worked with mice, rats, bunnies, you know. Oh, okay. I don't know anything about amphibians, so. Mm. Yeah, I once worked in the lab where they had all of these different animals. They had um, reptiles, rats, um, mice. They had rats, mice, turtles, uh, bats, rabbits. What the hell kind of lab was chickens. that? I think it was. Um, so I, it was at Washington University, and I think what it was is all of the different departments or biologists who were running their various experiments. They just all the animals were stored were stored in this facility. So it wasn't like it was all like one experiment. It was a various range of experiments, and they all involved different animals, and they just kept them kind of like in this little mini zoo, sort of. I'm surprised they they would put all of those in the same room. Well, well I mean, not the I, same I room. R, yeah. I basically grew up in R1 research institution, so that just wouldn't happen. Mm. You know, you'd have we had like clean mouse area and dirty mouse area, and clean rabbit area and dirty rabbit area. Like, well, I think we actually, never had bats and no, no, so lizards. So it was all in, that in the same room. No, 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 it wasn't a room. It was like uh like three floors. So the first floor in one room, they, these are big rooms, mind you. This is like a university facility. So this huge room was just mice. It was just yeah, see, like that, several that halls. It was like several little aisles of, of mice. Right. And then you leave that, you close the door, and you walk down the hall, and there's another door, and you walk in there, and there's like two walls of rabbits. Okay. And it, okay, yeah. so that's that sounds more normal to me. I'm like, what when the heck is it wash you? My advisor went to wash you. How did she learn like that? Right. Okay. Yeah, no, all right, and they so were all it's a facility, for different things. not a yes. lab. I got you. Oh, was I using the wrong word? Okay. I, I was probably using the wrong word. Yes, it was like a facility and they were all doing it was for multiple different experiments. Yeah, that's So the chickens were there the for something and yeah. Mm. Yeah, and, that's and I was, typical typical you have like you pay for a certain amount of uh, mouse care. Say, you know, I'm going to run an experiment, and so I have, I need 18 mice to do this, and mm-hmm. you know, so you have the 18 mice, and they're on the, they're in one of those looks like book metal bookcases, and they're yeah. cages and right. all that. And then, you know, because we were working with Bordetella, once they got infected, they had to come out of that room and mm-hmm. go into the infected room because mm. you couldn't have them sneezing on the rest of the mice in the room. Right. And my, my job was to feed all these animals. Well, the clean ones. My job was to feed the clean animals. And so all mm-hmm. the ones that were infected were like in these glass sort of uh, rooms. And I wasn't supposed to go in there. And then right. they have all the clean ones. And like, well, you come in and you feed all the clean ones just to keep them, you know, healthy or whatever. So that was like a work study job. Exactly. And so yeah. I was I would in one day I would feed uh, rabbits, mice, chickens, turtles and bats all in the same day. And that's where my hatred of bats comes from. Um. Is there a vet place. school at, at uh, WashU? Um, maybe. It wouldn't yeah, surprise I'm me. the chickens. That sounds like there's, you know. They told school... me that was for salmonella study. Oh, well, that makes sense. Mm. But, wow, chickens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, chickens are also hideous beasts. And they're uh-huh. hateful. Until and... they're fried, they are. Well, yes, then they're delicious. <laughs> but they're noisy, and when you feed them, they try to peck you. I'm like, why would you mm-hmm. peck the person providing you with corn? I don't understand. So fuck chickens. chickens peck. That's the thing they do. Yeah. Bats, too. Always trying to but bite But salmonella you. is also really common in turtles. So if that was a whole salmonella mm, lab, could that be. kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was like a, just an experience that I had. 
So yeah, I can imagine it'd be interesting to have some uh, new amphibians in your facility. That's okay. <laughs> You're not volunteering. No. What if it was for cancer research? You know, I'm not the only scientist in the world. <laughs> Somebody else can do it. So you're just going to pass on all the animal research to other people? No. Just the ones that have cold blood. That's all. Oh, that sounds racist, but we're going to let that go. But anyway. Yeah, no, no, thank you. I just <laughs> I, keep your little lizard somewhere away from me. Wow. Just saying. But anyway, um, speaking of cancer research, I thought we thought this was a good time to kind of go over because we, we've mentioned on the several of the last few shows um, how when people hear the word cancer, they just think of one thing and then how it's actually several different things. And we just figured it'd be a good time to kind of dig in a little bit and kind of give like a sample of how those cancers are distinguished what it really means when you have know, cancer of the liver versus cancer of skin cancer or ovarian cancer what those are what those are and you know why they are difficult to treat okay yes is there a particular cancer you want to start with or do you want you get like an overview um okay so let's just start with the difference between cancer and non-cancerous growth so oh okay um the the premier f the factor that that makes cancer cancer is that a healthy cell will grow until it reaches another cell and then it will stop mm -hmm. okay so this contact is what stops them from continuing to to multiply mm -hmm. cancer doesn't do that something happens within the dna of the cell and that that contact doesn't stop it from growing. Okay. And it continues to grow and grow and grow. Now, you probably can think in your mind of other things that that happens to that aren't cancer. Oh. Warts well, is the first thing that comes up with me. You know right? So if you have a wart on your finger or your, you know, your toe or whatever – that's another thing that it keeps growing and you get a little mass. I mean, you know what a wart looks like. It's sticking out of your skin and you're like, well, that's not right. That's not cancer, though. Mm. So the difference between a benign growth like a wart or cancer is that the wart will not invade anything. It'll just grow out. Mm. You can have it removed and that's the end of it. What happens with a cancer cell is that it will frequently not only continue to grow, but then it will start to invade other places on your body. Um, it starts, you know, right where it is, but it can somehow have access to something like a blood vessel or whatever, and then it can spread all over your all over your body. Mm. Okay, so there's a there's a difference between, you know, a benign tumor like a like a wart. Um, or skin tag or something like that. Many of us, you know, one of, one of the things that happens frequently when you get older is you start to get skin tags. I have a couple of them now. Um, but they're clearly not tumors. They're not cancer. Mm. Warts are not cancer. Um, but for cancers, 
there's a grading system. So there's sort of, we see the cancerous cells and we can get them. Um, they are, they have not moved at all. Um, okay. They're starting to invade. Um, wait, now they have gone all through your body. So when you hear of somebody talking about how they have metastatic, some sort of cancer, it's that the, the cancer cells have moved from the place where they were to elsewhere in your body. Mm. Um, and so those are typically stage fours where they can say, okay, this is not, not only is it a bad cancer, it's invading. It's probably recruited some blood vessels to come and feed the tumor. And it's now moved out of the regular place where we found it and it's somewhere else. So, you know, um, Colon cancers frequently are metastatic. Breast cancers are metastatic. That's why it's important to find the stuff early before mm-hmm. it can get to that point. And is, that, is that true of all cancers? Nothing is true of all cancers. Mm. Every cancer is different from every other cancer, and some cancers that we call the same thing are still different. Mm. So cancer is a mistake. And think about how many ways you could make a mistake with your DNA. That's how many different kinds of cancers there are. Now, oh. some of them are more common than others. Um, but even if you say somebody has breast cancer, there's like 20 different kinds of breast cancers. Does it does it involve this kind of um, receptor? Does it involve that kind of receptor? Like they're, none of them are all the same. Mm. And so, you know, it it bothers me whenever I hear somebody say, you know, that causes cancer. Well, what kind of cancer? What are we talking about? Mm. Um, well, that, well I mean, they, that's, that goes back to what we've been talking about for a long time, too, is that that's the way that it's talked about in the media, even by professionals, because they, in, or, in order to communicate with people, they feel they have to dumb it down and then it almost to the point where it doesn't tell you anything. Like, how many headlines do you see XYZ causes cancer? And that's it. And then even if you read, they just refer to it as cancer. Well, I think, you know... It's like saying something is bread, right? Mm-hmm. But you got flat bread, pita bread, white bread, wheat bread, mm. you know, millions of different kinds of bread. Right. And there's a different way to make every single one of them, but they're all still bread. So the, the idea that cancer as a thing, it does exist, but what you have to understand is that there's no one thing is cancer. It's the same thing as a tree. Okay, it's a tree. Well, is it a fir tree? Oh. Is it a maple tree? An apple tree. Okay. Is it right? You know, so they're all different kinds, and you're never going to get um, pine cones off an apple tree. Mm. Right? So they're all that different. And I think that's a point that we have to keep pressing, that all of these are different. And, and that's so why trying to says, that's why trying to hmm? figure out the cure to it's like trying to figure out the cure to trees. Right. That's exactly it. It's or like, well, cold fish. Will, How cold many different kinds of cancer. fish are there? Yeah, it's like cold will cure trees. It's like, well, not evergreens. It's like, oh, right. okay. They don't care. They yeah. laugh at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I mean that's that's the first thing. So it when you use a term like cancer, you have to understand that it is it's a it's wide. It's wider than you think. Every kind of cancer that you can think of is is even none of them are the same. Hmm. And then there are some kinds of cancers that look the same, but we've gotten to the point where you can look and figure out what is the exact wrong thing that went 
that happen with the DNA that turn this to cancer. Hmm. And sometimes it's one base pair change. Sometimes it's five, a deletion of five base pairs. You know, so it can be very small and then it can be very large. One of them, there's like, you can take a piece of the chromosome and it somehow gets stuck on another chromosome when the cell is dividing and then it turns cancerous. So we can't ever, when you think about cancer, one, it's, it's, it's a wide variety of conditions. And then two, even the conditions that you think are the same, like it's leukemia. Well, but this leukemia was caused by this one base pair substitution, but this leukemia was caused by the translocation of a part of a chromosome onto another chromosome. And, that, and that's much bigger. And does that have a huge impact on how either one of those are treated? Um, sometimes. Um, we've One of the things that has happened in the last, I'd say, 20 years, which is amazing, is that you can, for some of these um, cancers... Based on how the cancer occurred, you can target the, the treatment um, for that specific cancer in a specific population. Hmm. Okay. So there are some, there are some things like, um, and sadly enough, um, and I don't want anybody to get the idea that this is racism or anything, but a lot of studies in, in cancer involve closed populations and so populations where the people are relatively genetically pure i guess is the best way to say it Mm -hmm. um a lot of the homogenous genetic studies wind up in those populations which tend to be very small and then some of those drugs don't work on other people right because ceteris paribus you want to you want to keep as many things equal as possible so you can isolate whatever the thing is you're looking for well that's that's part of it but it's just that you know if you so america is a bad place to do genetic studies right mm-hmm. because we're all mixed up mm-hmm. um they do do some genetic studies within the amish population because they they are a closed breeding group mm. amish people marry other amish people they do a lot of a lot of um genetic studies in scandinavia because they were sort of cut off from everybody else mm, japan so, for a while Hmm? Japan for a while. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Uh, Japan, that was another place where you had oh, a lot of genetic um, isolation for yeah, a bit. Pr- probably, but I can't read J- Japanese medical journals. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's probably true. Um, and there's a lot of genetic studies in Ashkenazi Jews. Mm. Same thing, closed breeding group. You know, now in the last 50 years, it's different, but... Um, for a long time, thousands of years, Jews married other Jews, you know, <laughs> and so this was a, a small group. Now, if you look at somebody like African Americans, where we did not control our breeding for three or four hundred years, nope. This is not a good place to do genetic studies. Not that they are not important in our group as well, but it makes things more difficult. You know, mm. av- by average, we're probably fifteen or twenty percent European. Nobody knows where that came from, except, you know, we know where that came from. Um, but so a lot of the studies start in these small population groups and you, things will work there. Mm. This cancer in this population. So that's why we know things about breast cancer genes, because all of those studies were done in Ashkenazi Jews at first. Mm. 
And so the thing you know is the thing that's easier to make a drug for. Now, once the cancer has been, once it starts, is it a matter of a drug treatment or is it a matter of either chemically or surgically removing those cells? Do you actually cure cancer, even if you have all the knowledge about how it was caused and how to isolate it? Sometimes you can. Um, again, it depends on the cancer. Mm. There are certain kinds of leukemias, like there was a there was a wonder drug, this must be 20 years ago now, but I still remember it because it was so amazing. So uh, chronic lymphocytic leukemia is, you know, an overgrowth of a certain kind of white blood cell. Okay. And there was a, a trial for this drug. They It had a number then, but then they called it Gleevec. Mm-hmm. Gleevec was so good, they stopped the trial and just put the drug on the market. Wow. Like it was almost um, 100%. Yeah, it was – well, it still wasn't 100%, but it was it was fabulous in this trial. Now, of course, what they found out is it was only good for a certain kind – a certain um, type of chronic lymphocytic leukemia. Okay. And it had to have a certain kind of DNA um, mistake. Didn't mm. work for all of them. But it worked like gangbusters for the people that they had in this trial. Okay. And that's sort of typical of most cancers. They're, they're so separate that maybe a drug that works on one mutation will not work on another mutation. And I think, um, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, I don't know if it was something that you uh, either liked or retweeted or something, but someone had like, um, they had tweeted out, it's just like, and after all these billions of dollars and such and such, and they still haven't cured cancer. And I think that's where that thought process comes from, that cancer is just this one disease and they're just not trying. And that's why they haven't fixed it yet, because yeah. it's still just well, this I singular that, thing. That may be part of it. That definitely may be part of it. Um, when, in fact, they may have cured or severely, you know, found ways to treat a lot of cancers. Yes, they have. But you can still and, get cancer and die. And that's those two things can both be true. Right. And I, I actually had this, it wasn't an argument, but there was, I guess, PBS, maybe five or six years ago, had a show on cancer. Mm-hmm. And they tried to do what we're trying to do, but it was like a miniseries. I think it was four or five episodes. Oh, okay. And my boss came in and she said, yeah, all this money and they still don't have cures for cancer. Nothing has changed. Mm. So what are you talking about? Like childhood leukemias... Almost everybody survives them now. Yeah. When when I was younger, um, maybe oh, high school. There was a one of my high school friends who got leukemia, and she did all her treatment, or all her hair fell out, and everything. But she's still here. She's got kids. You know, she lived. Mm-hmm. In the fifties and sixties, kids didn't live. Yeah, I remember there was still like special episodes and it was like little Timmy has leukemia and then he would die at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was still I mean, a thing. literally, I mean, if you think about it, so so somebody like uh, George W. Bush had a sister who died of leukemia. That kid would probably live now. Mm. So, you know, the, the idea that we're not doing anything is ridiculous. Both my parents are cancer survivors. 
And I think that might be the most important thing we say for the whole show is just to get that across. Because that, that is a perva- pervasive argument that I hear online, that I hear in person. It's a way that people want to, you know, sound really smart and, you know, that I see, you know, I've, I'm really woke and I see what the pharma industry is doing. And it's just like we have this one disease and they haven't cured this one disease for so many years. And they've thrown all this money and they haven't done it yet. But the key thing to understand is it's not one disease and they actually have solved or cured or treated a great deal of them. Yeah. It's just there are literally millions of them that can millions of types of cancers that could possibly happen. And so they can't cure, you know, every possibility or every eventuality of cancer. Not yet. Mm. But, you know, that's the that's the thing. You know, when I look at the course of my career and I'm not 150 years old, I see how much has changed in the past 25 or 30 years. And, you know, I have no reason to believe that it will not continue to change. And I think with with the advent of sort of rapid sequencing, just like in our last story, we can learn so much from just what the DNA is. Right. And, you know, as a matter of fact, one of the things I'm doing at work right now is uh, cancer diagnostics are are um, changing faster than the FDA can actually um, approve them. And so for a lot of these cancer um, hospitals and cancer um, practices, what they will do is they have figured out from the basic researchers that if we look for this particular gene or the, the lack of this particular gene, then we know what the cancer is and we know how to treat it or we have an idea of how to treat it. And so um, the diagnostic people are trying to put together these tests that they can use for just their patients Mm -hmm. and the fda is coming after those people because well did you prove it do you know it you know blah 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 so this has been going on almost the whole time i've been working in this job where we're fighting with the fda and and uh the cdc about what to do with these laboratory developed tests and why would the FDA not want if you if you keep it local, if you say that I'm going to use this for my patients and take the responsibility for it, it, does the FDA still want to prevent that or? Well, so in the case of infectious diseases, we don't have too much trouble with that because anytime there's some emerging infectious disease or re-emerging infectious disease like Zika or Ebola, you can't wait for the FDA to decide that your test is good enough. Mm -hmm. And so what you'll get is something like an emergency use authorization. Right. And lots of times those tests are not great, but they're the best you have. Mm -hmm. And then later on, the company comes up with, you know, something where they've done enough testing and they feel like they have enough data to say that, yes, this test works. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, And the people who work in clinical laboratories, like I know this happened in in one infectious disease not that long ago, where they took the test that the company had made that was sort of an emergency authorization. Mm -hmm. Those are called um, EUAs. Um, And they ran ran the test at, you know, a bunch of different centers. This wouldn't go to every, every hospital lab, but just the big ones. Okay. 
Um, so, you know, maybe something in New York, Columbia Med or um, the Mayo Clinic or UCLA, but really big places where they can do these research um, trials. You can't do those, do those at every hospital around the corner from you, but it has to be a big place. You know, Johns Hopkins, something like that. And they were finding out that what the, the um, data that they were getting from these tests didn't correlate with if the person had the, the um, disease or not. Oh. And so sometimes when these emergency ones get through, they may not be the greatest, but they're the best we have at the time. And so the FDA is, is charged with making sure that if you use a test to give results to a patient, that they approve it. Hmm. And um, a lot of these diagnostics, they take a long time to do, and they are very expensive to go through. And even if they are good, you know, you're talking about a couple million dollars before you have this kid out. Yeah. Um. I can say in something like, say, say we're talking about this person has TB mm -hmm. and the bacteria is resistant to certain kinds of antibiotics. Okay. Now, TB takes forever to grow. So what you have to do is really look at the DNA that it carries. Does it carry the DNA for resistance to a certain gene? I mean, to a certain um, uh, drug. And... Sometimes the genes for the drugs are not exactly the same. So you bought a kit and the kit was supposed to show you that this is resistant to such and such a, a bacteria. And then you realize that the gene that this one is carrying is not identical to the thing that's in the kit. So you modify the kit just a little bit so it picks up both of those genes so you know if it's there. Okay. And that is important in something like TB because it takes like six weeks for TB to grow. But not in the body. You mean in the lab. Both places. <laughs> oh, well, it would seem then if you do, if it does grow that slowly in the body, don't you have time to take precautions and, you know, treat it properly? Um, yeah, but how would you know that you're treating somebody for four or five weeks with an antibiotic that's not going to work unless you already have this test done? No, but I mean, um, say, for instance, someone does walk in, you think they might have TB, you just don't know which one. And so you take a sample and you wait for that to grow. Does the person like do they decline that quickly where you have to take action immediately or can you afford to wait and say, hey, I think you have TB. We're going to wait and see you know, what kind before we treat you. Um, Maybe okay. that's a question for a physician. But here's here's the part you're missing. If the person walks out. Without treatment, who do they infect in the six weeks while you're waiting? Oh. Not only that, if they came in, they're already having symptoms. So they're mm. already infectious. Oh. And so the treatment is not just for them to get better, but also to prevent them from spreading it. Mm. Yeah. So there was somebody who had, who had TB at some college campus somewhere nearby because I saw it on the local news. And they were already trying to figure out who they had to treat. You know, the person's roommate, their classmates, their best friends, whatever. Mm. Um, and, you know, I don't know how long TB treatment takes now, but it used to be nine months. What? Yes, because it grows slow 
it dies slow. Oh, no. Yeah. That sucks. There's a reason why TB is still the most feared disease on the planet. So you could start your treatment, take it for three months, and then if, let's say, your health insurance runs out or you don't have access to your treatment anymore, you can it can come back? Sure. Wow. As a matter of fact, you frequently don't ever really cure tuberculosis. You can beat it back into submission. But I can't tell you how many older people I know who – once your immune system just sort of gets to the, the end of its activity, mm-hmm. that TB is what carries them away. Uh, I mean, that's pretty much what killed um, Nelson Mandela. Oh, so he had TB when he was younger. He never quite cured it. And then when he got old or as he got older, it just it couldn't fight it anymore. Yeah. I wow. mean, and that's that's sort of typical and he had it you know when he was on robin island so i don't think he was getting the best treatment mm-hmm. you know so but every time when you hear them say something like it was a respiratory infection and you know they had tb at some point it's likely that now sometimes it's just they got the flu and then they got a bacterial infection and that's what did it that that's typical in in elderly people um but i've known at least two people who you know, were 95 or 96 when they died. And it was, it was TB that finally got them. It, wow. But so, I mean, that's, that's a very fairly simple way to talk about laboratory developed tests. It, it's something that you can follow because everybody understands um, antibiotic resistance. And, you know, by using TB, you sort of get the idea of all the moving parts. Yeah. If we're talking about cancer and all of this, Almost all of it has something to do with some DNA injury that didn't fit back together properly or you have some sort of mistake. Yeah. And that's what makes the the cell turn cancerous. Imagine, as we've already talked about, that there are so many different kinds of cancer. And maybe you had a kit that could show you it's this particular um, DNA error and now we know to go treat to so-and-so-and-so. But then – We've already established that there are hundreds of different kinds of cancer, and each one of them is probably a multiple different kind of, of cancer. Um, I guess the, 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 the DNA injury is probably slightly different. Mm. So say you're a lymphoma lab and you have a kit for six different kinds of lymphomas. And you're finding out that the person has all the symptoms. You can look at the blood. You can figure out that these cells look funny. But your your test is still saying, no, it's fine. So now you want to tweak your test a little bit so you catch the ones that the test is missing. Yeah, That's also considered a laboratory-developed test. And maybe if you keep it within your laboratory and you send all the information into the FDA, you will be allowed to continue to run that. But the minute you try to give it to somebody else or run it in, you know, another lab. So say we, we developed this at Johns Hopkins and then we want to send it to the Mayo clinic so they can use it. Now that becomes a test that the FDA has to have their hands on. Okay. So it makes it really difficult And then to add to all of that, say we've got the right test and it's laboratory developed and it's fine and you're not sending it to anybody. Um, 
what will happen is sometimes a company will try to backdoor around this. So it'll be a regular diagnostic test company, and they call themselves Laboratory De- Developed Test Company. You can't do that. Mm. And that's why the FDA put their foot down on this, and we're having so much trouble. And meanwhile, you know, this is a problem with, with a lot of cancer patients because there's no way to identify what's wrong. So just to add a little bit of hope, what would be what are the main tools that would need to be developed in order to make cancer kind of universally treatable? Is it the diagnostic portion? If we could just isolate exactly what kind of cancer every cancer we encounter is, does that make it that much more curable or are there still other obstacles? Well, there are other obstacles because you don't always have the right drug for everything. Mm. And so some of these cancers that are extremely rare, it's very difficult to treat them because there hasn't been a whole lot of research on them. Right. So if you have if you develop the kind of cancer that there are five people in the country that have have had it in the last five years, mm. it's going to be really hard to get the right treatment. And that's when you hear people going into, oh, well, let's do the research study because we don't have anything else to cure you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm optimistic because things are so much better than they have been. Mm. Um, people are living so much longer um, in recovery or remission. Um, you know, so the idea that, you know, we've had so much money and nobody's done anything is is really just completely wrong. Yeah. You know, and the early screening usually helps. Um like I can remember I lost a relative to uh, pancreatic cancer mm-hmm. some some years back. Yeah, that's how my grandfather died. Uh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so but it used to be that there was no screening. Nobody lived. Like by the time you knew you had pancreatic cancer, you kind of had months. Yeah. And I think Aretha Franklin lived five or six years with it. Mm. That's an incredible increase. So, you know, you have to look at the, unfortunately, I think a lot of people don't pay attention to the stepwise progression of any kind of research. True. They just want to hear the end of the story. That's, that's kind of true of almost just about any problem that we have or we encounter. People do not, I think something went happen with incrementalism. It used to be a positive that, well, it used to be like this and now it's like this, that's better. And now people are just like, that's not good enough. Yeah. And I, they feel like that's some sort of like them taking a stand when really it's just kind of, I don't know. I, I don't, I think it's detrimental personally, but I just think, you know, it, if you're far enough away from it, you just don't understand all the moving pieces. Mm-hmm. And I think that, ma- it, that sort of makes you feel like, well, I don't see why they can't do this. Exactly. Because you're not paying attention to how much has already been done and what needs to happen. And, you know, all of this sort of just uh, involves five minutes worth of thinking about it. Mm, I don't know. that I, I, I used to think like that. I don't think so. I do think that people like to feel smart and they'll read very little and just enough to make them feel smart. And then they'll start spreading it around. Like they'll read like how many years they've been doing breast cancer research and how much money has been spent and they think they know it all. Yeah. And I, I just, 
push back against that, you're probably right. And I think we just need to stop that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think people need to, I think people need to take a step, take a step back and just appreciate how much you don't know. That's what you're supposed to learn in college anyway. Higher learning is all about learning what you don't know. But it's also not even college. I think even the idea of like the the Votech kinds of apprenticeship things, you learn the first day like, okay, I've been fooling around with cars since I was 12. And then you get into Votech and the teacher shows you how much you don't know. Mm. And you're like, wow, I, I, I thought I knew something about cars. Yeah. Or the master plumber who teaches you what you really need to know. Right. And as we've discussed, I don't know how many times since we've been doing this podcast, that respect for expertise is just gone. Yeah. And it's the Internet because I have basically all of human knowledge at my fingertips. I am as smart as any, anyone else. Mm. That's kind of the gist of it. Because well, I can I Google think it, I'm just as smart as lots of people are as smart as anybody else. What they aren't is as educated or as trained as anybody else. Mm. Yeah. And that's why I stopped saying, just go Google it. <laughs> I used to say that all the time. It's just like, you could just sit down for five minutes. You can Google it and figure it out. Like, eh, But I think no. you can get a little bit better if you know how to Google. And I think that's the problem. People don't know how to Google. Well, Googling for, <laughs> um, if I'm trying to figure out, uh, like if I want to, a good analysis of a book, that's a different type of Googling than if I want to know what's the what's at the forefront of, um, you know, liver research right now. Right. That's a different right. type of expertise. And usually you kind of have to have some level of expertise in order to Google properly. That's true. Like that if I true. if I want like a, an overview of the comparisons between, you know, Aristotle and Plato, I would know where to go and how to do that and where to start. And I would actually understand what I'm reading. So that even though I don't and have I totally the knowledge in my not. head, yes, even though I don't have the knowledge in my head, I have the knowledge to like receive it and gather it. And that's a skill. And I think because you have expertise, right? I'm not an expert, but I have expertise. You know, right. yeah. And if I did that, it would mean nothing. As a matter of fact, let me tell you something I did. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Harry Potter mm -hmm. and I saw this book for relatively cheap on um Oh, what's the one where they read it to you? Audible. Yeah, Audible books. Mm -hmm. and yeah, and so Audible was like the philosophy of Harry Potter. Okay, that sounds cool. And every every chapter is something else, and but they assume that you understand all these traditions, which I don't. Mm. And so she's talking, and I'm like, I don't know what the hell she's talking about. Yeah. I came here for Harry Potter. I don't know what she's talking about. Yeah, ethics, epistemology. Sure, mm -hmm. Yeah. But I'm sure you would get it. But then right. you don't know Harry Potter, so you'd be lost. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I've but read like is, two of the books. You can read Harry yeah. Potter and understand what this woman is saying. Like she's talking about this school of philosophy and mm -hmm. that school. I am totally lost and I'm glad it only costs $5, so I'm not <laughs> mad. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I didn't think it was going to be a re really I would philosophy. Say just, I just thought it was going to be, yeah, it's no, killing no. me. Just as a hint, I would not get any philosophy book as an audio book philosophy texts are usually even the best writers it's something you kind of have to wrestle with oh it's not a text it's just it's a it's a uh, combination of 
like stuff that people have written in in newspapers. Yeah, I I know. That, that's, that's but the I'm... problem is, she's talking about these schools of philosophy. I have no idea what she means. Like my first my freshman year, when I was taking philosophy courses, I would read like four sentences, and then I'd have to go in the footnotes and then read like a passage in something else to understand what the fuck those four sentences meant. Yeah, I don't. And love then Harry that's how that that's why it takes so long. Exactly. Yeah, I don't love Harry that much. But, I mean, it's very clear that I'm smart. I mm-hmm. just, that is not my area of expertise, and right. it whipped my ass. And given enough time, sure, you could you would get to a level where that'd be easy for you. But you just have to acknowledge that I don't have it right now, and so I should probably listen to people who do have that. Right. But Or just give up and ask somebody with some expertise, which is... <laughs> that true. That, that too. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but, yeah, that was, that was a lot. Um any places where people should go if they have questions or want to read more? Well, our public health uh, division, the CDC, has plenty of uh, cancer information for lay people. Mm -hmm. Um, CDC.gov, as usual. Mm -hmm. Yeah, CDC.gov. I don't usually like WebMD, but that's not a bad place. It's not a bad place to go. I think WebMD is good if you want an overview of a thing and not to diagnose yourself. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. This this is WebMD does not practice medicine. Right. If you want to know what a wart is, sure. WebMD is a good resource. (laughs) Yeah. If you want to know, is this a wart? Don't go to WebMD. Right. Yeah. That's I like that. I like that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, make sure that your source is not one of these. This vegetable works better than cancer treatment mm. kind of places. Mm. Just no. Just no. Yeah. I, holistic medicine is it's it's I've seen it everywhere and I'm it's kind of seeped into the common vernacular too, I've noticed. Superfoods and this cures that and this is a home remedy for this and yeah. I don't want to poo-poo on it. I don't want to be like a hater, but just Nothing really replaces going to a doctor. I know people have had bad experiences at the doctor. I know they've gotten poor treatment or poor diagnoses, but in the end, it's still kind of best. Yeah, I I really, you know, I'm all for healthy living. Eat Mm -hmm. more vegetables. Go out more. Mm -hmm. um, Exercise. Do all that stuff. But that is not going to save you from ovarian cancer. Please make sure the the information that you take in from the web, which I certainly think you should be researching as much as possible, but make sure it's from a reliable source. Right. Whew, that was a lot. I think we should leave, well, people, leave we should leave the people with that. <laughs> well, I hope it was helpful, and you know you can always send us tweets if you need to ask something else. Yeah, especially if you see something like that. I, I know people, I, I've seen a lot of it on Twitter, that sort of thinking that it's all just a scam. It's all capitalism's trying to kill us. They've had the cure for ages. They're just not giving it to us. Those kinds of things. I've seen it from a lot of people, intelligent people, otherwise intelligent people. So just some food for thought and another way to look at it. But yeah, this kind of actually feeds into the the new segment that we have. Science always wins. Hashtag. Always. 
Science always wins. Um, I saw this, and when I first found the article, I had a completely different understanding of what actually happened and what did happen, but I still want to talk about it. Okay. It still kind of falls into science always wins. But um, so you probably remember um, a couple weeks ago, the woman known as the bikini hiker. I don't remember this. So you don't remember this? This was the first I've heard of it. It Maybe was, it's the people that we follow, but no one sends me pictures of people in bikinis. No, but it, it, the reason why is because it was like on every like, you know how on the morning shows or on like the evening news, they'll have like a little five minute snippet at the end of like, isn't this interesting? She was like on every one of those like for a while because it was so out there. Mm-hmm. But uh, a woman known as the bikini hiker freezes to death on mountain after falling down a cliff. So when I first read the article... It was just they would just told you all about her and that she would go up all these mountain trails and she would get on top of the mountain and then she would take a photo in her bikini. And the first thing I thought is, well, who hikes in their bikini? Of course, you're going to die. <laughs> but as it turns out, she would she wasn't stupid, which she would she do hiked normally. She would dress normally for a proper hike. She would get to the top and then she would disrobe. <laughs> Take the picture and then put her gear back on and then go back down the mountain. Unfortunately, something terrible happened on that last trail. Um, She fell down a ravine and survived. That's the sad part. And then she was trapped down there. And then she was trying to make calls and trying to get out and then still died. Just the mountains are unforgivable. They're not playgrounds. That's why I don't hike. Yeah, I mean, I'm I will hike as long as there's no more. I'm not. I don't want to reach a summit. I'll walk around a mountain. That sounds yeah, great. Yeah, that's that's much better. Yeah, I'm gonna take a trail around this mountain. That's a nice, good exercise. Yeah, it's <laughs> even better if you take a donkey or a jeep. Mm-hmm. I, I'm all for the beauty of the mountain. Oh, but... even even if you want the exercise, get your hiking boots on and take this yeah. walk around this mountain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where if you fall, it's like ah, I broke my hip, but you you know you go home. Yeah. That's that's what I'm saying. I my life already has enough craziness in it that I don't need to call it to me, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And th- they said also she is not the only adventurer or the adventure influencer. I guess that's what how they categorize her to mm. be killed in the midst of doing what they love. Last year, a Canadian described as a stunt rapper died when shooting a music video. I heard about that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what a stunt rapper is. Okay, so he, he jumps out of planes and stuff and then raps on the way down. <sighs> I actually know about that. He was he was on a plane, I think. Yeah, he was on the wing of a plane. and Did the chute not open? Well, I don't think he was trying to... Sh- he wasn't trying to jump. He was just trying to rap on the plane. Oh, and he didn't he have a parachute on. Damn if I know. Oof. Okay. I don't rap with both feet on the ground very well. I'm really not trying to do it on on the wing of a plane. You know, it was a little plane. I've heard of YOLO, but goddamn, that, yeah, yeah, there I are just, limits. <laughs> and, I, I don't. Yeah. Wow. I've always been risk averse and the older I get, the worse it gets. So I'm really not. No, mm. I get in the plane and I go where I'm going and then I get out of the plane. 
Wow. Okay, this is weird. So it says he was rapping on the wing of a plane and something that he trained intensively for, sure. Um, as he got further out onto the wing of the plane, it caused the small Cessna to go into a downward spiral. So probably something with the drag or the wind. Uh, it, he was messing up the aerodynamics of the plane. Yeah, and how much stay inside the goddamn plane? Because that's how planes are designed. They're not designed for people to stand on. Mm-hmm. Went into a downward spiral that the pilot couldn't correct, and John held on to the wing until it was too late, and by the time he let go, he didn't have time to pull his chute. So it sounds like he was holding on to the plane, hoping that the guy would correct, and then mm. eventually his grip let loose, and he was too close to the ground. Mm. So he just went splat. Yeah, I... Mm-mm. Don't we have CGI that can make it look like you're on the top of the plane and you can rap? But that's not extreme. You don't understand. Yeah, yeah I don't. You're right. <laughs> I don't. I'm lucky if I can make it onto the metro and get to work without something crazy happening to me. I'm not courting this thing. Yeah, that's why I will try all sorts of adventurous things. I don't think I'll be jumping out of any planes ever. It's just, I'm, I'm just asking for it. Why not? not unless it's a, look, you don't jump out of a perfectly good plane. Okay, well, yes. All right, if the plane is going down, I understand. And I have a parachute, <laughs> sure. I guess I don't have much choice. <laughs> but, yeah, my, my father was a Marine, and he used to love to go watch the guy's parachute. Mm. He's like, let's go watch him break a leg because you never land properly. Oh. And he's like, come on, let's go watch these guys break a leg. But, yeah, to jump out of a perfectly good plane? No, <laughs> it's not a good idea. No, thank you. I know you're supposed to go like in tandem with the trained person, but I'm like, they can have an off day. Yeah, we have a friend who who did that in Vegas. I was with her, but mm-hmm. I didn't jump out of nothing. Mm. And she she lived. She still's with us. Yeah, everything's she's still fine. With us, oh, okay. um, she she you beat her in spades. That's that's oh, our friend. Oh, okay. She jumped out of plane. All she right. jumped out of a plane, and uh, her Ooh. father was calling her, telling her what to do, and my dad was on the phone. He's like, you tell her, your father said you ain't jumping out no plane. Mm-hmm. But, Oof. yeah, I just, it's a perfect, she she has the the whole adventure thing going for her that I just do not have. Some, <laughs> some people like that adrenaline rush. I... I I enjoy a roller coaster from time to time, but I've never had. Oh, been I like, love them. I've never been an adrenaline junkie. Like, ooh, I need that rush. Like, no, no, no. I love. I I will not lie. I have been big on roller coasters since I was a little tiny kid. Mm. And the closer you feel like you're gonna die, the more I like it. Really? But that's a roller coaster. There was a there was a time when I used to like roller coasters like a lot, and then. I saw one roller coaster where literally the ride up to the top was like 10 minutes and then they just dropped you and then it was just all loops until the end. I'm just like, why am I doing that to my heart? <laughs> what for? What, what what do I get out of this? I just, yeah, I'm no, just tricking my body into thinking coaster. it's going to die. Why would I do that? <laughs> yeah, I did the old wooden coaster at Coney Island like before it was condemned mm-hmm. and I knew it was going. I'm like, if I get off this thing, I swear before the lord i will never mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yeah i have to say like if i feel like i'm gonna die then i want to go get back in line and do it again no no but that's the only thing that that's like that that and bumper cars because i get to annoy well bumper cars not just little eight-year-olds yeah bumper cars are just that's that's just your a way to get out all your pettiness yeah 
That, that's and all it run is. right into the, the obnoxious nine-year-old first, and mm-hmm. then you have a good trip after that. I don't know why, but hitting little kids is more fun. I don't know why. Well, it's because you've been in line with these kids for like an hour from the beginning, and the kid is so obnoxious you want to kill him. You can't kill him. Exactly. So you just smash right into the side of him and throw him off his game, and then you just drive away. Like, that is my petty level. <laughs> and then I just drive away like, <laughs> I think there's something about seeing someone get hit at high velocity but knowing that they'll be okay yeah, that brings you joy that might be it. Because, i would never really hurt a kid but man yeah. do i love to because there was one time we went go-karting and uh it was like a bunch of us like it was in china we, we were all english teachers and we all went go-karting and so um we had to go in batches so the first 10 people went woo, it was fun it's cool and they were standing there watching the other 10 people go and this one girl was just struggling like she could not figure it out she kept hitting the wall and then everyone was lapping her and then mm-hmm. one person like ran right in the back of her <laughs> and she, the way she jostled was so funny but i know she was in pain but i still just oh my god i really left my stomach on the floor it was so funny oh, because no. her hair was whipping <laughs> like a little tornado like Wee! <laughs> and she spun around it was like oh it was like a cartoon but I was like, oh, I kind of feel bad. But oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> See, that's why in bumper cars nobody's gonna get hurt, so you don't mind laughing. Exactly. It's okay to laugh. You just see their life get rocked out of them, and they're just like, ah. ah. And you're just like, ah, that's funny. <laughs> it's the bu- it's the bully in us. That's what it is. It's a way a healthy way to let it out. Yeah, I'm not a bully. I just that one thing. Mm-hmm. That is the only thing that I know I need to repent for. But I will just wait. Mm-hmm. Just, you know you're in line with him, and you know he's an obnoxious little shit. And you pick like, that oh, one. It's I like, oh, wait. oh, it's that one. Oh, he wants all the lollipops? I got a lollipop for you. <laughs> yeah. That, that's it. Well, usually, you know, there's a bunch of kids. They're all together. They're cousins or whatever. There's one kid who's just a little jerk. Mm-hmm. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> if the lines weren't so long, you wouldn't figure it out. But if they haven't figured out a way to not make the lines an hour long, I wouldn't know he was a jerk. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to go to an amusement park now. Mm-hmm. It's a little cold for that right now. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. But I think maybe that release is good. I just need some release. Stress. It's living in 2019. It's just yeah. uh, Black History Month has been ruined. Oh, my God. I can't believe it's still February. Every oh day God. something happens. I'm like, is it still February? First it was Blackface, Blackfaceuary, and then now it's Jesse scamming ass. and ugh. Well, there's the, the guy who who what was he running he was like the mayor or something no he was the he was the editor-in-chief of this newspaper and he thinks the clan should come back what the entire i i saw that and skipped it i didn't click it didn't read it i don't know what any of it's about i was just like no it's not for me no thank you <laughs> skipped it all yeah that's a level of stupidity too low for me yeah. no every day yeah well they did arrest r kelly so that's the bonus you know i really felt like doing the jig when i saw that I want, I don't know how. How did they not get the, him toad walked out? How did they not get that picture? Someone would have gotten so much money. Oh He's my popular god! Popular in Chicago. Someone would have gotten so much money of the photo of him getting marched out with his hair all unbraided. Oof. It's it. Look, that photo was out there. Oh, so I want it. It'll I want to make it my phone background. <laughs> make it my Twitter icon. <laughs> him being perp walked out. But uh, yeah, that was another good show. I think we informed a lot of people, saved some lives. 
All right. Tell the people where they can find you. I'm always at Koki Talks Trash, talking trash. If you want to follow the science, I'm at Koki Negra. And I am P-Funk at P-Funkin' Around on Twitter. And the show hashtag, show handle is at you know molecules capital U K N O W, and yeah, I think it's a good show. We informed a lot of people and saved some lives. I hope so. I hope so, and we'll see y'all next time. <laughs>